2: To start listening,
3: I am going to lean on you very hard today, Josh, because this is a sport that I did not grow up with because it didn't exist when I was growing up. Well, it kind of did. We did have our fights that had fewer rules than should have been the case, but uh, I didn't tend to get in a lot of, well, maybe I got in a few of those, but we're going to be talking about mixed martial arts in general and UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship in particular, are you a guy who's been really brought into the sport all your life, or is has it come late to
4: you too? So it's come late to me too, Ron, and you can lean on me, but we will all be leaning on our expert great guest today from v UFC uh, betting pro Lou Finacario, at Gambleu on Twitter. But yeah, the UFC, you know, I, I, I didn't really get into it too early, but it was kind of always in the background, I always kind of thought it was cool, but Um, You know, Mm -hmm. always had the other bigger major sports to kind of take up most of my time. But uh, in recent years, I've really, really loved betting on UFC. And we're going to get into today different strategies, different bet Mm -hmm. types, you know, different ways to identify uh, a sharp play. But um, I think on the surface, you just see, you know, guys and girls just beating the heck out of each other. But there's actually a science to it. There's actually a lot of research that goes into it. And uh, it's going to be great to pick Lou's brain today. So don't worry, Ron. we got a great episode lined up today.
3: I'll tell you what, guys and girls beating up on each other. I could have used you and Lou when I was a kid. They're here now, though, on the Everything Guide. Well, let's not waste any more time on the basics. Let's get down to the real fundamentals and a guy who knows his way around this. The aforementioned Lou Finicaro is joining us now, as he does on VSIN all the time, and now joining us on the Everything Guide. Lou, how many times are you asked in a given day, in a given month, to give the basics on UFC and MMA?
5: Well, not, not as much as you would think. I mean, you know... Surely my family doesn't care that I spend this much time doing doing this. Uh, and most other people I find, you know, that if, uh, what I get asked a lot is a popular fight who I like. And I love to talk to the public and, and get a general feeling. And more and more of these UFC fights are starting to have more pull with the public.
4: Well, Ron, you know, you were the guy we wanted to talk to today because you do such great work on Twitter at GamBlue And, of course, for v I I always look forward to your points for weekly articles each week, breaking down fights. But um, I think the goal today is uh, we don't want to just ask you for winners. We want to ask you uh, how to identify a smart bet or kind of not. We don't want just you to, to give us the fish. We want you to teach us a little bit how to fish when it comes to UFC. So. Obviously, we we're kind of laying it out how it was a bit of a niche spore. It's, you know, it's only uh, roughly 30 years old. It's, it's newer, but it's getting more popular. And therefore, your guidance is really, really important nowadays. But um, kind of just, you know, starting off uh, the most popular bet type, obviously, the money line, which fighter will win the match. You know, an example, Conor McGregor, maybe he's a minus 300 favorite. You'd have to lay 300 to win 100. Maybe he's fighting Cowboy Cerrone. He's a plus 240 dog. You lay 100, you could win uh, 240 if he cashes. But just first overall, um, you know, Lou talking about uh, bet types in general. When you're looking at a money line bet, and we'll get into, you know, round totals, method of victory, all that later. But when you're deciding between two fighters, what are some basic starting points you look at when trying to figure out, okay, who's going to win this bout?
5: Well, you mentioned just uh, you layered a bunch of great information there, Josh. And and important uh, is, uh, number one, tracking opening line. I use pinnacle. And from the opening line, obviously, uh, a lot of what I want to do is the same thing you want to do in any other sport. And that is if you can gain advantage over the opening line and then have your fighter in the case of uh fighting specifically uh, then the research needs to be that you have to have uh, the stylistically correct fighter height rate weight reach advantages ideally and he comes to fight his best on his best night and you also mentioned money line betting and that's really important to know Uh, a lot of people will check my website on my ufc results and see that i'm about 46 percent in the ufc Uh, And they say, well, geez, he doesn't win half his bets, he must lose money. Well, we have to understand the nuance of money line betting. And really, to answer your question now, Josh, I, I really try and scour for underdogs on UFC cards that are prepared to come and give their best effort that night and then match them up with a positive market position, meaning they've gained value over their opening number.
4: Well, I think that's important, um, Ron, uh, is joining us as well as Lou here. But Lou, what you mentioned is, um, you know, what's crazy is kind of looking at results, you know, kind of the, the tabulations that you compile. It's a lot of favorites in UFC who win these fights. You know, it, 60, 70 percent, depending, you know, recently, calendar year. But you got to remember, you're laying these huge numbers. So even if you're winning 60, 70 percent, you may not make any money. You may actually even lose if all these fighters you're betting on are huge minus 400 minus 500 so when you're looking at a dog obviously we look at you know height weight reach you can go to you know just the even ufc.com to get a lot of this information but can you take us behind kind of the thought process when i've heard you speak about ufc what's interesting to me is you look at how they grew up fighting are they naturally you know growing up as a wrestler do they do different mixed martial arts maybe when you're looking at a matchup um because half the fight you know to a person who doesn't really know ufc Half the time they're standing up, you know, pounding each other with their with their arms or their legs, but then they get on the ground and grapple. Can you talk about how kind of uh, how you grew up as a wrestler or different type of mixed martial arts, how you take that into account when you're looking at a matchup?
5: Yeah, through the years of following it, I, I, I learned it, it was funny early uh, in the UFC or in mixed martial arts, you just used to look for the Brazilian flag. And you should find the Brazilian flag and any other flag, and you just took the Brazilian flag. Then we found out, uh, as we got into the maybe the early 2000s or middle 2000s, that world-class wrestling is kryptonite to Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a number of reasons. And coming from a boxing background, I realized quickly I had to get inside these gyms and these people that do this and be exposed like a guy that goes to a boxing gym is exposed every day. Only with UFC, it's four limbs, and yes, it's on the ground against the cage, anywhere it can be. So there was a tremendous amount of nuance that I've—I I go to—I basically go to gyms to try and research, and I've gotten close with guys in the business that are able to talk straight with me and provide me with dynamic insight. But to me, Ron and Josh. I, nothing excites me more than a fight card. And this week is a perfect example where you got.
3: And I should note, by the way, Lou, we recorded this. If you're listening much later, we recorded this in the summer of 2020. Yeah. But
5: go ahead. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is a fight card of 12 or 13 uh, sets of fights. and You have fighters from 14 different countries comprising these 12 or 13 different fights and so to to be able to study the art of fighting and then to apply it to long and tall short and fat black and white Asian or Brazilian uh, is fascinating to me it's challenging and I absolutely love it and uh, ex- exhibit a is this week's fight card from Abu Dhabi
4: Yeah, I think that's really important in kind of any sport that you look at, uh, Lou, and I think it's important just in general is that, you know, I, Ron, you are, uh, uh, you know, and Lou, you're light years ahead of me when it comes to betting on UFC. But, you know, I've got getting into it more and more each time. And just by watching the sport, I think you learn a lot. So uh, if you are brand new, the more of these bouts you can watch, the more you're going to learn, the more you're going to pick up on everything. Um, But just some basic stuff, Uh, you know, we talked about obviously the money line, who's going to win the bout straight up. But can you talk a little bit about uh, round totals, um, Lou? Because, you know, similar to when you're betting another sport, the over under, you know, and the NBA will go over 220 and a half or more. NFL will be 47 and a half. We have these different round totals that you can bet on. So uh, you may not see an advantage of one fighter beating another fighter, but maybe you see uh, a round going the distance. You can bet on that. Will it go over or under two and a half rounds? Uh, can you kind of speak to what you look for, Lou, when you're looking at maybe uh, value on betting and over, under, how
5: long a bout will go? Yeah, that's a great question, and that one now starts to, to delve deeper into the layers of the onion, where you're starting now to get into some gut feel. Um, moreover, the stats in totals are telling, and, and, and a lot of it's common sense. So if you use 155 as the benchmark, fighters lower than that, featherweight, weight, it's strawweight, flyweight. Those fights, just because of general lack of power, tend to go well over at a high percentage. And then as you get to the bigger boys, they can tend to go low, uh, although you have to be aware of the numbers. But as I study over-unders, that's all tied to style of fighter and how the two specialties are going to mix in the octagon. And while the UFC is an uh, embryonic sport, as you've already mentioned, gentlemen, as well, the the numbers in the money line on the side, that's that's a still relatively unsophisticated market that's hitting those. For instance, when numbers open at some of the offshores, $100 will move a a line 10 or 15 uh, basis points. So uh, it's really important to understand the market. And then one step more removed from just the money line market of winners and losers is the totals. And that's a market that really is totally exploitable. And it's a great opportunity to get a one-on-one with the bookmaker in a sport that is an NFL where they have the advantage over me. I think in, an, in a sport like this, I'm striving to gain advantage over them.
4: Yeah, and I think that's something you'll notice, too, with a lot of these over-unders. They can be really, really juiced up. I mean, you can see juice in the minus 200, minus 300. I mean, it's crazy with with how these lines can move overall. I think that speaks to the importance of, uh, as both of you guys know, shopping for the best line, placing your bet at the book that gives Mm -hmm. you the best number, knowing that different uh, books will provide different numbers. And whoever you're going to take, whether it's uh, a money line, whether it's a round total, uh, shop around and get that best number. That's something we always stress, no matter what sport we're talking about. Uh, but Lou, if we can move on, there is another way uh, to bet on the UFC. We're looking at method of victory. So I think this is great. I love reading a lot of your articles, whether it's in uh, Las Vegas Review Journal or at Veasan. I think you do a great job of letting, uh, kind of walking your way through how a fight might go. So you know, you may like uh, you know Conor McGregor to win the fight, but you could also bet on. Okay, how will he win the method of victory? You could get different odds based on a a knockout, a TKO, a DQ by a decision. Will it go the distance and then go to the judges? Will there be a submission? Will there be a draw? You know, that's pretty rare, but it could happen. So, um, Lou, can you kind of speak to um, what makes you identify maybe betting a method of victory, getting a better number versus, okay, I just want this guy to win, I'll take the regular money line.
5: Yeah, I do very little of the prop betting, and I'll tell you why. I mean, uh, uh, it remains to this day that uh, the choices offshore are very different than what we can get in the states, Ron and Josh. And and by that, I mean uh, offshore, I can get inside the distance. So uh, we'll, we'll fighter A win inside the distance, and inside the distance means... Submission, KO, TKO disqualification. The way our friends in Las Vegas break it down, uh, they do the exact result prop. And instead of three choices, they are going to give us six by uh, uh, the blue corner by decision, the blue corner by TKO, KODQ, uh, the blue corner by submission. So to me, that's a great angle to generate more profit and and intake for the bookmaker. But I don't get involved as much in those uh, more segmented, more specific props unless something is compelling to me. But I do want to say I pay close attention to inside the distance, and I, and that it's hard to find that in Las Vegas.
4: Well, I think another good point too, Lou is, you know, in general, I am very averse to betting parlays, you know, just in terms of it. uh, it, I know, I I know. Can you believe it, Ron? (laughs) Seriously? Uh, Yeah. Parlays. I used to love them. I slowly uh, realized as my bank account went down that they provide a huge edge to the house. The house has a massive hold percentage on parlays. And this is really the parlays kind of the penny slot of sports betting just in general. Um, because the book has such an advantage over regular player. You want to turn a low amount of money into a huge amount, but you kind of fall into that psychological trap of trying to hit it big. When if you kind of bet individually, you would have been better off. But um, I know that there are opportunities in UFC parlaying two fighters, Lou, where you may get better odds. And if you can cash one, you can lean on the other. So even though, you know, personally, I'm not a big parlay guy, can you speak to how you take advantage of parlay opportunities in the UFC?
5: Yeah, that's a that's a perfect one that leads me into the last two point spread weeklies uh, in the last fight that was held, the last fight card. Uh, we had Dustin Poirier in the main event, but just as part one of a two-team parlay. And while many people want to take a parlay and take a little money and make it a, a, a big amount of money, in the UFC, I utilize parlays to uh, create value and usually it's my way of not only creating value on the back end but limiting output i want to bet a unit whatever your unit is 20 bucks or 20 grand i want to bet one unit but i want to return more than one unit unless the value is screaming for me to do otherwise and so dustin poyer last week or two weeks ago was minus 200 and in this week's point spread weekly uh, I teamed him up with Peter Jan at minus 235. Poye won, so now I effectively have a one-unit bet on Peter Jan, who's negative, who's a minus 235, one unit to win one, 1.14 units. I like to use parlays to create values in uh, favorites that I think are in a good position or are offering uh, market advantage. And that's about the only way that I'll use them.
4: Yeah, I think that's a great point because I think, you know, Lou, again, a lot of people think of parlays a little bit to make a lot. You're kind of going the other way. You're taking maybe two favorites you like to combine to get a better number overall. And then hopefully they both cash for you, Lou, which they usually do. But even if uh, you win one, then you can create maybe a hedging opportunity with the second leg. And you can either let it ride. You can go the other way. Maybe the line moved and, you know, you're getting a better number. So that just opens you up more opportunities overall saying it's a great point to hit on um kind of just some some weird stuff lou that i always wanted to ask you you know looking at uh kind of ages of fighters do you look at leaning more toward younger fighters because they're maybe you know uh just their vitality is is better versus older fighters who've been through the wars how do you rate age and,
5: and experience? Is, are those factors that you look at Oh, they're, they're so important. And what we do know by tracking Reed Kuhn uh, in his Fightnomics book is that fighters with a youth advantage of four years or greater win 63% of their fights up until 2013. Uh, from 2013 until the current period, that's 62%. So there's a great advantage in being four years or more younger. And I also think... Gentlemen, that this year, if we watch these fights, there's definitely a a youth movement happening, and I don't want to be caught on the wrong side of an old fighter. And kind of along those lines, (laughs) uh,
4: Lou, what do you think about kind of in terms of recent performance? Do you see, you know, kind of you're talking about the public in general, especially these big fights a lot of times you'll want to just bet on a fighter who is just doing very, very well, has won a bunch of fights in a row, whereas a fighter who maybe has lost a couple, you know, can kind of go both ways. One, you can say they're very hungry and, and you know, bounce back and it's more meaningful. Or is that a sign that really you want to bet against them? I think probably in general, a lot of average O's would say, I don't want to bet on a guy who's lost a bunch of fights. It proves that he can't win. But I think one thing you stress a lot, uh, Lou is what is the uh the strength of who you're fighting it's not just that you've won three in a row who did you fight because three and0 is great but if you if you fought a bunch of stiffs what does that mean so can you kind of just speak to how you rate the last maybe five fights what can that tell you about a fighter and how do you use that to your advantage
5: it's it's critical information and i go back well over five fights even though when i talk about these things on the air and such i I only get to mention maybe the last three or four. Uh, the perfect example would have been Gil Burns and Kamara Usman for this fight, although Burns tested positive. He He's red hot. Uh, he has a lot of recency going with him, and the money was kind of starting to come on Burns, and it was going to create value in Usman, and I was salivating over the opportunity for Usman because his body of work is steeper. He's a bigger man uh, he's a natural 170-er that walks around at 95, and Gil Burns fought at 155. Maybe just a touch undersized for the division like Masvidal. But those are nuances that one has to pick up, and you said it early, by actually watching fights. If you watch all the football games or all the baseball games or all the basketball games, you're going to be impressed with teams or people either off a loss or off a terrible performance that you know are prepared to give better. And so that's where really the hours has to come in, uh, building your database and then doing the hard work of, uh, you know, watching five hours of fights every Saturday night when everybody else is out on the town having jello shots. (laughs)
3: Yeah, there you go. Well, on that note, uh, I was just going to ask you if you've got any tips that we haven't mined for yet. I was going to say sometimes you mine for gold and you strike oil, uh, but now you're going for jello shots. Uh, I'm wondering, Lou, do you have anything we haven't brought up here that you would say, you know, a new gambler to UFC ought to know this as a tip?
5: A new gambler to the UFC, the first thing you want to do is go buy this book called fightnomics written by reed kuhn i bought the book so that i could tear it apart and criticize him from soup to nuts from a to z top to bottom when i got done reading the book i became a complete disciple of it and have gone a step i've gone a step further to ask my analytics buddies to help me with further information with regard to fighting. So I would say that's a great starting point. And the second thing, it doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. If the handicapper has a passion for the sport, it's going to be so much easier to log the hours to become uh, profitable and in an ideal world, excellent at your sport. So have a passion for it and put in the hours.
3: The book is Fightnomics, The Hidden Numbers in Mixed Martial Arts and Why There's No Such Thing as a Fair Fight, written by Kelly Krieger and Reed Kuhn, K-U-H-N. And Blue, G-A-M-B-L-O-U, is where you find Lou on Twitter. Anything else you want to plug? I know you're in the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Anything else?
5: Things are going great. We're having a great time, kind of being the only show in town. And I really appreciate the work you two men are doing, bringing up. Uh, new betters, as well as developing skilled ones with your work. And I'm flattered that you would take the time to have me on today.
3: Excellent. Josh, he's talking to us during the pandemic of 2020. (laughs) Hopefully, it's not the only game in town by the time others are listening. But who knows? They may be on the top of the mountain for a long, long time. Lou Finnecaro, thanks so much for your time here on the Everything Guide.
5: Thanks, gentlemen.
3: All right, so when we come back, you know I've got a contrarian better on the other side. That would be Mr. Applebaum. Uh, how will he apply those theories to MMA and UFC when we continue on the Everything Guide to Sports Betting, The Sin Podcast?
0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Well, we turned loose as we continue on the Everything Guide. It's still Josh and Ron, and Josh, of course, the contrarian better. If this is the first time you've listened to the Everything Guide, Josh is known as the contrarian better. We've said that it will be on his tombstone. But as we apply that to... UFC and MMA, the thing that comes to mind for me is the public really pounds fights when Conor McGregor was involved or when Ronda Rousey back in her time was involved. Is this an area where you say, aha, you might go the other way?
4: I definitely think so, Ron. You know, again, you know, talking about contrarian, the whole basis of contrarian is you got to go where the public is. If the public isn't getting down hard on a game or an event, contrarian is completely meaningless. So it's got to be in a situation where you have a ton of public action and the UFC. What's interesting is that again, it's a relatively unknown sport. It's a niche sport. You have your diehards. It is expanding. However, there are very few names that, you know, kind of recreational betters will, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, be accustomed to. So in the situation where you get a name that kind of breaks through to the mainstream, whether it's Conor McGregor, you know, whether it's Ronda Rousey, or you have a few of these big names who really get a lot of attention like or literally
3: big name, Habib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> exactly. A year to figure out how to say that.
4: Yeah. Can you spell that though, Ron? That, that's the that's the real question. N U R M A G.
3: I'm going to get this letter wrong. I, o M E D O V. The L may be wrong, but I'll <laughs> leave it to others. You, can, you know where to find it. <laughs> no, no,
4: it's so true. And and these big names, I think, uh, kind of you can kind of take it both ways. So on these Saturday nights where you have you know 10, 12, 13 bouts back to back to back to back all night. A lot of these early ones, the public won't really know who's fighting, but maybe it's that um, that main event, that last fight of the night, where it's a name that you recognize. And what usually happens there, the public who doesn't usually bet a lot of these fights doesn't care too much. They're gonna tune in because it's gotten a lot of buzz all week. It's been hyped hmm. for months. Uh, you know, it, it attracts all this public action. So, typically, you know, these these names will be overvalued because the public will okay. jump on, on these situations. So going the other way especially if it's you know kind of a relatively short number uh you can take a lot of advantage there but also even if you still see value on maybe that big name favorite you kind of want to bet early because usually it'll just spike up and up and up as the public continues to pound it later so look for situations to go contrarian it's really only in these big name bouts that mm-hmm. are and really you know the pay-per-view ones you ideally want it to be on espn where everyone can watch it because not everyone will pay that extra money to watch that right. bout. but if everyone can watch it It's on ESPN at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Boom, that's a contrarian scenario there.
3: Although I will tell you this, some of the most fun I've ever had, especially when I was living in New York, was to go find a bar where the fight was on when it wasn't (laughs) at home. And the crowds you get in those are are the best. They are the best. It's the best people-watching time I might have ever had. Uh, I'm going to get to wait in a moment I I, because I know there's some nuances and if you're screaming and going are you going to talk about weight are you going to talk about weight?" one more thing I want to ask you about especially with names is rematches because you certainly see those in the sport as you do in any combat sport how do you attack rematches
4: so this is really interesting Ron you know you talk about rematches and obviously uh this is when you have two huge big name fighters who uh you know you you already got one fight in the bank and you got a second one coming up drives a ton of interest in the public when you talk about these big rematches. And again, when you're on Contra, it's kind of put your, your head or, you know, put yourself in the mindset of a casual better who may not have uh, a huge stake in it, but wants to, you know, get in on the fun that everyone's talking about. So you have a huge rematch coming up. The public tends to look at wanting to bet the loser because it becomes so hyped that mm-hmm. maybe that they think just, you know, conventionally speaking, tons of motivation to bounce back and win and get even. But usually a lot of research that I've done, especially you see it in boxing a lot of times, but really with UFC is that the winner of the first fight tends to win the second fight about two-thirds of the time over the last two hmm. decades. So what's interesting is that the public will kind of load up on, uh, usually if they're the dog, getting plus money in a rematch. You know, they're, they're the more motivated one. The, the winner of the first fight may not be as motivated. But it's actually the other way. And I kind of look at sometimes you know Major League Baseball doubleheaders. You think the team that uh, lost that first game is really, you know, motivated to win that second game. It's not a great comparison, but uh, sweeps or that first fighter winning that second fight the second time, again, happening about two-thirds of the time value on that uh, that winner to win both. Just something to keep in mind. It's kind of a yeah. uh, zig when the public zags, that sort of thing. So keep that in <laughs> mind when you see those big fights.
3: Okay, I mentioned the weight, and you heard lou talking about the weight classes etc and you were talking about the weight classes but the way in especially when weight cutting is involved because that's the big elephant in the room with ufc is how do fighters get to cutting their weight are they using something illegal to do so be that as it may what alarm bells are rung when you see certain things at the way in
4: yeah, so the weigh-in is really, really important. It's not important because, just for publicity, you want to see Dana White in the middle, both fighters, you know, with their <laughs> fists up against each other. It's a great uh, great photograph you can take there. It gets you hype for the fight. None of that matters. The weigh-in, why is it so important, and why do you want to pay attention? Uh, it's because, you know, what will happen usually is, you know, on a Friday, uh, usually early in the morning Friday, they'll weigh in the fighters. So what does that mean? They'll take their weight, they'll see where they're at, But it's really, really important when you talk about weight cutting. So uh, if you have some free time and you want to bet UFC, just Google weight cutting and you will go down a rabbit hole. This is a huge Hmm. underground thing that may not get a lot of attention, but it's really, really uh, critical. And what does it mean? It means that weight cutting, basically, you're going to want to lose a bunch of weight as much as you can so that you make the weight for the fight but then you want to try to gain it back over the next 24 hours to get as big as you can and reclaim that size advantage. So, uh, and I, I, Lou talks about this a lot and it really opened up a whole new world for me betting UFC, basically UFC fighters. They're looking to drop 10 pounds for a fight or more, but weight cutting is really, really bad because it can create medical issues and just run. If, if you don't eat for a day, what does that do to your body? I mean, I don't feel good. I'm dehydrated. I'm, I'm I feel terrible. So, how do you think it affects these fighters when they uh, lose all this weight just to make just to make the weight that they need to? It really hurts them. They're dehydrated. It's bad for right. their kidneys. It drains their strength. Their durability gets hurt as well. Your reaction time may slow. It has some serious, serious uh, health, uh, you know, detriments to you. So, right. Basically, long story short, betting against uh these fighters who have to cut a ton of weight can be a very very smart play because yeah. it hurts them when they actually have to go into the ring the fact that they had their body went through that massive drop the weight bring it back it just takes you off your game so if a fighter makes weight and they've been consistent that's a good sign if a fighter had to lose a ton of weight and gain it back that is a sign that you may want to avoid that fighter
3: Something I learned a long time ago in boxing, I'm sure, applies in MMA, although well, maybe we should have Lou back on another episode to tell me I may be wrong on this. But if you see a fighter come into a ring or an octagon dry, not sweating at all, no glistening at all, that's a bad sign. Something's up. And you kind of wonder, okay, is it, I mean, back in the old days, you wonder if a guy was seriously doing cocaine before a fight. But it did bring about questions about what they did to get in that shape step into the ring. So I want to see a little sweat on a fighter before they step into the
4: ring. That's really, really important. And these are the little things, again, that you may not know about. And just these little tips, once you kind of hear about it. And I think uh, Lou had a great point. Basically, you know, if you want to be good at whatever sport you're at, it's all about the work they're going to put into it. So knowing Mm -hmm. these little things, knowing that uh, the weigh-in isn't just about the, you know, taking a picture and putting it on the front page of the newspaper. Mm -hmm. It's to actually see Uh, who has an advantage because you can gain an advantage just by looking at these little factors here so that's really really important overall ron
3: okay speaking of little factors other than jello shots do you have anything in terms of tips that you could offer
4: yeah so a couple other ones just to uh you know kind of uh wrap everything up things you look at you know location of an event that can be something that you want to take into account where is the fight being held uh, especially the fact that you know, UFC is an international sport and you have fighters hailing from all different countries. Is it a situation where a fighter comes in early, gets acclimated to the longitude, the latitude, the altitude, whatever it may be, versus a fighter who got in late and isn't really acclimated to the the surroundings? I think that's something that you want to look at overall. I think another thing uh, Lou mentioned, which is really important, is uh, the quality of the opponent. Don't just look at, you know, is a guy undefeated his last three fights, his last five? Who did he fight? You know, if he didn't fight quality opponents, that that record isn't as meaningful. So these are little things you want to look at. You know, me obviously, I'm really you know dialed into the market. So I'm looking at my live my, my live odds page. I'm looking at how these numbers develop. I want to see where a line opened and how it moved. I think those are little things that you want to uh, you want to take into account overall. But uh, these are all all things that will hopefully make you a better uh, better when it comes to betting UFC. Um, and again just dialing in and, and the more fights you watch that's the long long story short just watch UFC Saturday nights you put in a month of Saturday fights you'll learn a lot and then you can just kind of be off to the races moving forward
3: I love it and this is the stuff that I've been meaning to learn for so long and so I'm glad I had my ears on for this podcast hopefully you did too Josh Applebaum and I will be back again with another episode Ron Flatter here as we've been talking UFC and MMA. And ways to cash tickets on the Everything Guide to Sports Betting vSIN Podcast.
2: to start listening.